Fashion. Well, we're all bad here on Fashion by Dad, and right here you're going to get double your money. There's two patriarchs perched on the edge. Patriarch A, <laughs> myself, Jeff Ebbs, and Patriarch B, Guy Lane from Vita. Good morning, Guy. How are we this morning? I'm good. I'm not sure I, I want to actually identify myself as a patriarch, but it's your show, so go ahead, right? Well, we <laughs> both stale pale males, so... I think we've just I think we just gotta own it. Speak for yourself, mate. I'm not stale and I'm not pale, but I am male. <laughs> Spoken like a true unreformed red blooded bloke. Uh, well, <laughs> well uh, let let me define myself as a neighbor on another day, but let's just go with your definition from this point on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, I mean, Vita Awakening is sort of trying to undo the patriarchy in some ways. Just make sure we know what you're what you're talking well, uh, about. Yeah, I, I think undoing the patriarchy, yes, but not when that's not our primary motivation. The primary motivation is to try and connect Western people to nature spiritually, right? And I think that when you connect Western people, when you connect humans to nature. Spiritually, I think that the patriarchy just sort of disappears, just melds away, right? Because the patriarchy is not a phenomena of nature per se. It's a, a cultural construct of, 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 of humans. So, how? I mean, that, that begs a very large question about how we create a social construct that um, undoes social constructs, but I'm not sure that that's a great place to start. Um, I noticed that you had made a presentation to COP15. Do you want to just sort of talk about that and then we might play it? Yeah, okay. So this is... Um, I've, been, I've been on this for a couple of years now, or about a year and a half. Um, so let's just step back. So 1992, there was this huge uh, gathering of world leaders in Brazil, uh, the World Conference on Environment and Development, and... Um, at that at that uh, UN agreement, they or that that meeting, they created two structures. One of which was called the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change (UFCCC), which came to be the organisation that created what we now know as the Paris Agreement, which is the Climate Change Accord. But at the same time, they created an organisation called the Convention for Biological Diversity. So there were these two streams that were created at that big uh, UN meeting in 1992 in uh, Rio de Janeiro, which was the Climate Change Organization and the Biological Diversity Organization. Well, um, the Biological Diversity Organization has been working up over the last 20 years or so, and they're now having their COP, which is a COP, which is a com- commission of parties, which is the term they use in the UN frame for the gathering of all of the world leading, uh, like the environment ministers, to get together. And they're having COP15, so this is the 15th version. And this is the big one where they get together to actually sign off on a global compact for the world's governments to agree to not destroy 
the living systems of the planet, or put another way is to put in place a mechanism to protect the living systems of the planet, the biological diversity of Earth. Can so I just... Um, the, yeah. I just want to interrupt for a minute, because um, yeah. when I saw COP15, I immediately thought of the Climate Change Conference of the Parties, and I didn't realise that the biodiversity stream you know, uses the same nomenclature. So, yeah. nomenclature, um, yeah. I yeah. guess is the proper way to pronounce that word. Um, yeah. So, what you're saying is that at that original 1992 conference, the two great challenges of our time, biodiversity and climate chaos, were... Yeah. Yeah. established with UN frameworks and I guess there's probably other UN frameworks that use that nomenclature of cop this and cop that <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but anyway I, so okay. so we're up okay, we're up so, to cop so 15 just, in the biodiversity um, the yeah. other comment I wanted to make is that we hear relatively little about the biodiversity stream in mainstream media yeah okay so let me just just, just frame that so in 1992, at the World Commission on Environment and Development meetings in Rio, Brazil, there, were, there was not just one big in, institution created, there were two. There was the UNF, uh, UNFCCC, which is the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, and there was the United Nations Convention on Biological Diversity. There were two institutions created. We know of the climate change one because it's been really noisy and rowdy. And in the meantime, there's been this quiet achiever sneaking along called the Convention for Biological Diversity, which has been building up its repertoire of conversations and agreements. And this year, uh, it, it has this COP, which is its gathering of world leaders, if you like. Um, it's coming together to sign off on the global compact big agreement to uh, as to how the world's governments agree to protect biodiversity on earth it's taken place in two parts there is a virtual um cop 15 has got two parts cop 15 is a virtual gathering this month taking place as of basically today for the next this next week and a in-person meeting or like a face-to-face meeting in China, Kunming, in April slash May next year. And VITA, uh, VITA Spiritual Organization that I founded, has been, we applied to be a part of COP, the COP15, and we have been accepted into the COP15. And what we found out in the last few days, we've actually been accepted into the, what's called HLS, the high level um, segment which is where we've actually been in, uh, accessed to the high level, which is sort of at ministerial level. The tricky part of that is that we're still trying to figure out what it actually means because we came in really late. Um, we've, been a, we've been pinging away at the organisation of the Secretariat for, since, for about 18 months. But when they finally accepted us in... Uh, we came in after all of the sort of the key dates for submitting documents. But one thing we did get to do was to submit a two-minute um, video presentation of our pitch to the, um, the, 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 the governors of this institution, which I think you've actually have on file now.
I do, I do indeed. I'll play that in just a second. A um, couple of questions there. Um, the virtual meeting that takes place this week, is that the sort of pre-meeting meeting to set the agenda for next year's face-to-face meeting in China or is it something different? Yeah. What, what's its I, role? I, 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 would say, I would say yes, but that would be a rather simplistic answer because when you when i mean i i'm new to this stuff but i've i've just been opening accessing the all of the documents and it's just hundreds of pages of text it's a complicated system right so so what's coming up with the with their cop 15 agreement let's use the analogy of the paris agreement right because it's basically remember that this similar this, process this sister, right? sister organizations to sign off on the Paris Agreement required 192 countries in the world to come to some sort of an agreement about how we should deal with climate change because it's based on a consensus, which is to say that the agreement that signed off was agreed to by everybody. It wasn't a democratic or a democratarian system where, for example, you had like a 75-25 split. It was a consensus agreement, Right. So, so the same program has been going on with respect to biological diversity. And it's a complicated system which has got this uh, a complicated um, uh, uh, administrative infrastructure, which is the, um, what they call it, the secretariat, right, which is the organisations that are running the meetings between 192 or 190 plus countries and trying to get everybody to come on board with an agreement around a really complicated thing called maintaining biological diversity, which is complicated because we humans aren't spiritually connected to the biosphere, which means we're not actually spiritually connected to looking after the thing that this organisation is trying to actually help us look after, which is ironic in a way because that thing is the life support system of the human race. Okay, the, so the, the that, uh, you, you, you've, you've moved from the general point about the complexity of the bureaucracy to the point that you are taking to uh, COP15. Am I, do I understand you correctly there? Absolutely. I mean, okay, well, let's, let, you... let's, hear the, yeah, um, yeah. let's hear the sound, the audio of yeah. what Vita is taking to COP15. Here we go. Yeah, thank you. One question that needs to be addressed is why people are so tolerant of the economic and political systems that are destroying the living planet that is our life support system. The basic answer to the question is that most people have not calibrated their spirituality to the natural world. A spiritual connection to nature is vital because spirituality manifests into physical reality through the actions and inactions of the believer. On Earth, there are three types of relationships between living things, parasitic, commensualist, and mutualistic. Today, humans have a parasitic relationship with the living planet, and we must transform that to one that is mutualistic. In a mutualistic relationship, both parties benefit from the involvement with each other. This is called a synergy. Vita is a new spiritual philosophy that sees humans as potistic with nature. Patistic is a word that we've created that means potentially synergistic. 
As a patistic species, humans are potentially able to synergize with the biosphere, and bringing this about will require nothing short of a global spiritual revolution to nature. If our civilization can achieve this, we will enter the verdant age, a potential future time when humans and the biosphere thrive in synergy deep into the long future. The verdant age is Vita's name for ecological civilization, and we believe that connecting people spiritually with nature is an integral pathway to achieve this end. We are deeply honored to participate in the Convention for Biological Diversity's COP15 event, as we believe that the CBD is our civilization's best institution to advance the verdant age and ecological civilization that is now within our sights. Excellent. So that was Guy Lane of uh, VITA uh, addressing the UN's Conference of the Parties on Biodiversity, a parallel stream to the Conference of the Parties on Climate Change. Uh, Guy, just one question there. You uh, ended up by saying we believe uh, CBD. It was that the letters is the, um, you know, part yeah. of the solution? Uh so that's, that's, that's the name of the institution, the, the Convention for Biological Diversity. Okay, not the Central right? Business yeah. District. <laughs> uh, absolutely not, no, mm. <laughs> definitely not. Okay, so, well, congratulations on being accepted by the UN at the uh, high-level sector um, conference. That will be at the face-to-face section next year, or is that virtually uh, at the moment? Okay, so so uh, this is this is important because it's taken us like a week to try and figure out what we actually got. But so what we got was uh, we have been accepted into the uh, Con- Convention for Biological Diversity's COP15 event, uh, in particular the high-level segment, um, and for the. A virtual part of the of the program, which is over the next week, which is October what, 11 to 15 or something. But then there is a, a face-to-face meeting, which is like a big gathering, UN gathering, in Kunming in China that we have yet to be formally accepted into because they haven't yet opened up the submissions for that Mm. So one gathers that what will take place in the next week is that everyone runs around and starts putting together the agenda, uh, working out what ministers in what governments they have to talk to to yeah. you know get yeah, the yeah, right yeah. people in the right place and set yeah. up the right kind of meetings in China. So if you yeah, make a complete so- goose of yourself in the coming week, you probably don't get to China. <laughs> if you convince people that you know what you're doing, you do get there. <laughs> Yeah, nicely put. Goose mm. versus yeah. So, so the actual the the CBD the COP fifteen would actually have already been run by now had it not been for COVID. So it's all been put back. And then I think in the framing of it, given COVID, uh, I think that they've split it in two parts because they because the COP twenty six of the climate change agenda in in Glasgow is taking place in about a week from now which is going to be one of the biggest events in the world in terms of, like, UN, like, you know, big picture stuff. And so I think what they've sensibly done is they've they've not wanted to try and... You, know, you wouldn't want to run two COP events simultaneously because you're of, of no, your media I wouldn't. concentration. In, so they've separated. So the, the big COP for the biodiversity is, is next year, 
and that's face-to-face in Kunming in China. And it's all, it's just big, big, big geopolitical stakes here, right? So China on one hand, um, I mean, I was in China about five years ago on to attend a big solar conference. And uh, when I was over there, I had this really sort of strong feeling about China. There was something that really was sort of bugging me. And at the same time, this, uh, uh, there was a book that came out, and I was reading about it when I was in. I was actually reading about this on my smartphone or my iPad uh, when I was at this hotel in Beijing. And this guy was basically saying that China could make or break the planet. They could break the planet by their consumption of everything from forests to seafood, their consumption of coal, but they could also make the planet because they were mass-producing the low-cost renewable energy technology with solar panels and wind turbines. And so we're in this really complicated and difficult and complex phase of human civilization where, you know, um, you know, this is make-or-break time for our civilization. It's make-or-break time with, with what we do with climate change and whether we continue to burn fossil fuels or whether we turn that fossil machine off you know, and so, and also, it's make or break with respect to biodiversity. I mean, we're, you know, we're 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 you know, we're in dire dire straits on this planet. If you understand the science of it, we're in dire straits. And I don't the think there's many people meeting, listening to us, guy, who would doubt that. And on Portable Z, you are listening to Fashion <coughs> by Dad, with me, Jeff Ebbs. I'm joined by Guy Lane from Vita. And we are discussing Vita's submission, successful submission to the United Nations uh, Biodiversity Panel uh, for their uh, COP15 conference, which is being held virtually in the coming week. So, Guy, in your submission, you were uh, outlining the uh, uh, mission of Vita to reconnect uh, Western people to spirituality as the basis or one of the bases of um, preventing our destruction of biodiversity. Um, did yeah. they did they sort of co- make any comments on their acceptance of that proposition? Did they talk about why that impressed them or what they thought about it? Or did they say, "Yeah, come along and no. tell us more"? No, it, it's a it's a it's a rather. Um um, faceless uh, uh, mechanism by which you are involved in these things, and that's not a criticism. It's just a simple observation of how you know. We 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 I I emailed the organisation about a year ago, and they've been coming back and saying that thanks for email. We accept what you're doing, but we're not we're not opening for submissions yet. And when they finally opened to, for submissions, uh, they said we would like you to write a letter. So I wrote a letter. And they said, "Thanks for the letter. You've been accepted." And then, uh, and then, and then, basically, you basically get a, a passcode into this uh, website, and then you've got to kind of feel your way through it. And because we didn't have any experience with this before, it's been, a, it's been a week of just going through this maddening exercise of trying to find your way through all these web pages and documents. And then we're like, "Oh, oh, oh! I just found a document that says." that we need to actually press button X. So we press button X and you feel like you then got into the next level. It's a, it's a, it's a confusing and difficult world. 
Well, it's and, a bit like a uh, game. You go through all of it. You learn, you learn it, it, by trial and error how like to jump over a box or whatever. And Yeah. So so we accidentally found, I accidentally come, stumbled across a document that said we've been accepted into the high-level segment, which means that we've effectively got the same access to the organisation as the government ministers who are the drivers of this project. Mm, so what are you going to and do? Then, what, are you, what are you going to take to that? Well, well, well I'll just, just explain that a bit further. And then a day later, I found a document that says, oh, you actually need to actually accept your invitation. Right? So we've been invited, but then we actually had to formally accept the invitation. So I went and sent the inv- email as per the specifications. So it's all a bit of a blur. I don't know what we've got, but I, I, I don't know what we've got. I don't know what we've got or what we can do, but I think that we've accidentally stumbled into the, the devil's lair if only we can show up. Now, what we want to do is simply this, is that every time you have a conversation about biodiversity conservation, it's always focused around policy, it's focused around economics, it's focused around technology, right? But what's missing is a conversation about spirituality. Because fundamentally what's missing is that Western people, humans in general, are spiritually disconnected from nature, okay? So we were born into our, we are personally born onto this planet with a spiritual affinity to nature because we grew here. We, we, we evolved here okay we have a natural spiritual affinity to nature but our western culture and our other cultures um, disconnect us from that connection to nature by all of our other cultural affinities to you know monogod religions and mainstream religions and new age religions and all of and our culture disconnects us from our innate connection to nature and because and spirituality is so important because it manifests into the real world through our actions and inactions. It's okay, a so that driver of human behaviour. So that's a high-level statement. Um, listeners of Fashion by Dad have heard you talking about the philosophy of Vita, so we understand where you're coming from, and I think you know many people would agree that we need that spiritual connection we need to be in awe of the earth in some way we need to live harmoniously with it Uh, that's quite likely to be a if not the missing element in the sort of discussions that we've had Uh, but you're off to a conference of parties where high level economists technocrats and bureaucrats will be sitting down to uh, come up with a plan to try and save the world through preventing biodiversity loss. How are you going to connect those high-level um, statements that what we need is spirituality to action plans that bureaucrats, technocrats and economists can implement? Through awakenings. So we have a spiritual philosophy that frames humans with respect to the nature and we have uh, a suite of mechanisms by which we can help people connect spiritually to nature with a view that if they're connected spiritually to nature, that will affect their uh, behaviours, right? Mm. 
So, so is it that well, suite of mechanisms that will be you know, part of your implementation plan? Is that yeah, what you're yeah. taking? Yeah, so our, our implementation plan is called Awakenings, okay? So I'll give you an example of three of them. So uh, uh, one of them is uh, called uh, 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 Plankton Meditation. So the idea is to, is to create... Okay, so we're basi- basing this on the VEDA hypothesis. The VEDA hypothesis says that if you can bring somebody into a structured program that hybridizes or synergizes a spiritual enlightenment to nature with environmental education, you can create radical pro-environmental behavioral change, right? So what we're, trying, what we're doing is we're developing these programs where people can come in, okay, and there's a variety of them, um, and through the program, they will be both spiritually connected to the living planet, to, to nature, and informed with environmental science. So I'll give an example of those. So, well, let's, let's take the plankton meditation, because you've described the plankton meditation before. Plankton meditation, People can go yeah. to the Fashion by Dad website, fashionbydad.com, and listen yep. to the plankton, your description of the plankton meditation. Yep. So if I'm a bureaucrat, you know, I'm a, a, a gnome of Switzerland who is uh, organising the UN conference, I'm trying to marshal all of the people who are, say, in the spirituality stream to meet the cultural ambassadors for the nations of the world to direct that towards what's going to be one line in the final agreement that says we agree to do something about spirituality and we've got to define what the something is. So how how is the plankton medit what's the plankton meditation going to offer to the overall conference? How are you going to frame that? Uh, Okay, so so the plankton meditation is one of a suite of programs called awakenings that are programs to spiritually connect human beings to nature, right? Okay, so we can't say that, you know, the big outcome of our involvement in uh, CBD uh, COP15 is that we get somebody to do a plankton meditation. We're trying to create the concept that there is a there is a mechanism by which um, human beings can connect spiritually to nature, which will then make them powerful advocates for nature. And this is sort of what's fundamentally missing, I think, in the in in the in the framework of the of the CBD at the moment, is that. It's all very le- it's all very rational. It's all very analytical. It's all very um, you know procedural. But what's missing is a deep, deep, deep connection to the planet by people, and that's what we're trying to create is a mechanism to connect people spiritually to nature. And when you connect people spiritually to nature, you basically create these warriors for the living planet. Now, I'll give you an example. So the, uh, we talk about this, the plankton meditation. There is actually, if you Google plankton meditation, if you go onto YouTube and, and search for plankton meditation, you will come across the first version of it. And what's on that is a, hot, it's a YouTube video that runs for seven minutes and it's got three components. It's got a whole series of 
um, electron microscope images of phytoplankton, which are these tiny little plants that live in the ocean, that just rolls over. So it's this really visually spectacular sort of imagery. And then it's got this nice sort of spiritual music playing. And then it's got this narr- this narration, which is my voice, and it's explaining um, how the plankton produce oxygen that the humans breathe and also how the plankton produce this gas called DMS, dimethyl sulfide, that goes into the atmosphere, that breaks down, releases sulfur, and the sulfur attracts water vapor, which helps to create the clouds. So the plankton create the clouds. The plankton make the clouds, the clouds that make the rain, the rain that waters the crops, the crops that are our food. So there's this sort of spiritual connection between this almost invisible plant that floats in the ocean that you can experience through this guided meditation. Look, I understand the the value of um, the plankton meditation for A, the person who undertakes it, B, for the activation of people through an awakening so that you start a movement. What I'm worried about is how you're going to convince the bureaucrats at COP15 that there is a plan that a government minister from Honduras can take home. That's, yeah. that, that's the connection that I think you're going to have to make in the next week. Yeah. Well, so one of the, one of the streams in this um, CBD conference is called mainstreaming. Mainstreaming. And when you Google mainstreaming, biodiversity mainstreaming, right, is this idea of how do we, how do we get the caring or the, the concern or the implementation of biodiversity through all of the different sectors of society? How do we get biodiversity conservation into government policy? How do we get biodiversity conservation into the... Um, uh, uh, into the uh, the, the, you know, the operation documents of corporations. How do we get biodiversity conservation mainstreamed into society? Well, one way of doing that is to connect individual human beings to biodiversity through these awakening programs. But okay, can you just tell us about we're, we're, the... You said that plankton meditation was one of the mechanisms in a suite of mechanisms. Uh, yeah. You were going to give us three examples. Can you yeah. just okay. uh, give so, us the other two? Yeah. So, I mean, there, eventually there'll be hundreds, right? So we're calling them awakenings. And the three that we've got on our books at the moment is one is the plankton meditation. Now, uh, let me frame plankton meditation in, in a slightly different way. I want you to imagine this is what we want to do. This is where, we, this is where we're going implementation-wise of the plankton meditation. I want you to imagine a, an, an arena or a uh, hall, say a hall, and it's got a, it's got a, a, and you've got 300 people, and they're laying on the ground in a circle, and they're looking and with, on their backs, so they're looking up, and we're projecting onto the ceiling these these images of the plankton, of these phytoplankton, right? And we've got this high-resolution high audio-visual system with a really clear audio, and 300 people are simultaneously looking at this uh, uh, ceiling with these plankton being projected onto it and listening to this meditation. So it's a simultaneous absorption of a spiritual connection to nature and environmental education right 
that's the thing. It's the combining of uh, spiritual enlightenment to nature and in, and environmental education. So another version of that we're calling Vita Aqua, for, for want of a better word, which is a 35-minute audio that you play in the bathtub, right? So taking a bath is a spiritual experience for Western people. It, when you take a bath, that's one of the few places in the Western world you actually get to be alone, right? You know, when somebody says, oh, don't disturb her because she's taking a bath, you're like, oh, keep away from her. Like if she's watching the TV or watching something on the computer or in any other place, the phone rings, the dog barks, you know, you know what I'm saying? But when you're in a bathtub, you're alone. So we've got a meditation that we've planned for this where it's a 35-minute audio file which takes you through a whole suite of emotions from elation to sheer terror, okay, because we're trying to connect emotionally to people about what's coming down the pipeline with respect to climate change and what we've got to do personally to rise up to fix it. So that's okay. another one. The, the, and, and the, the third one? And the third one is called um, Vita Vantage, which is a proposed uh, eight-part YouTube series, so eight 30-minute uh, YouTube videos, which describes the program of actions that one should undertake over the period of five weeks, which is over two full moons, uh, where you go off and do different activities, and over that process, you start to understand the environmental science of the situation, but also the access to the spiritual um, aspects of what we're describing. Excellent. You are on Fashion by Dad. This is Jeff Ebbs. You've been listening to Guy Lane talking about the um, awakenings as part of the Vita Spiritual Vita Spiritual Framework. And on 4ZZZ, you are listening to Fashion by Dad. My name is Jeff Ebbs. I'm speaking to Guy Lane from Vita. Uh, Guy, Vita is a spiritual philosophy. We've been talking about how you uh, plan to take that spiritual philosophy uh, to the uh, UN project on biodiversity as one way of spreading the word and helping, um, you know, reconnect Western people with nature. We've been talking about some of the uh, mechanisms that you're going to use to do that. One of the things that... Uh, spiritual philosophies or religions generally uh, used to connect people with the um, you know components of their belief as a sort of set of morals or an ethical framework that guide people's activities. Is that uh, something that you've considered to be part of Vita? Yeah, so um, to, to answer that in the broader sense um, you have this concept amongst spiritual philosophies and religions called uh, the golden rule. And um, I think you would know what the golden rule is for the Western philosophy or the, or the Christian religion. What would well, that mean? Well, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is the way I was taught it. That's the King James um, rendering of yeah. the statement. Yeah, and, and, there, and there's uh, and, and one of the... Um, the student of the, the you know the, the students of this space has actually written a book called the Golden Rule, and has actually identified that in all of the major religions around the world, the Golden Rule is basically the same. They, I mean, they word it slightly different. 
they, they word it slightly differently, but it's the same fundamental principle that one should, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What, what's fundamentally missing from that statement is a recognition of the uh, integral role of the biosphere in human existence, which is that without the biosphere providing oxygen and rain and so forth, we don't get to exist on this planet. So what Vida has done in recognition of the, the vital role of the biosphere is to add the planet into that statement. So do unto others and the planet as you would have them do unto you. And when you actually frame, and this is, a very, this is answering your question about a moral philosophy, when you frame do unto others and the planet or do unto the planet as you would have the planet do unto you, you actually... Uh, step away from creating the ecosystem collapse that we've actually brought about because we haven't done unto the planet as we would have it do unto us. And as, so, a, re as a result of that, we're now facing a crisis. So there are quite a large number of um, movements that are based on you know, not being anthropocentric, to be more, to in, include other living creatures as part of the f framework of what we consider to be important so that all our morals are based on uh, those values that you've just described. Veganism being, say, you know, a key one. So veganism and the respect for animals um, is a guiding light for a lot, of, you know, or guiding philosophy for a lot of people, and you know then it has sort of rules about what you can can't eat. So what I'm sort of exploring is how you, you know, does Vita have a set of Ten Commandments or, um, you know, an attitude on diet or what kind of, what, how, do, how do you guide people's behaviour other than just that high level um, respect for other living things? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and so just to make a distinction between a religion and, and a spiritual philosophy. So, um, Vita is framed as a spiritual philosophy and not a religion. We, we see a religion as being a constrained version or a constrained way of enacting a spiritual philosophy. We're, we're, we're interested in trying to share an idea that we humans are a part of the living planet and that we should act accordingly. But we're not in the, in the game of telling people what to actually do with respect to that. Because so instead of comparing you to formal religions, what about if I compare yeah. you to a movement like veganism, which is also informed by, you know, a desire to live gently on the planet, a respect for other living creatures, um, yeah. Yeah. and aims to, you know, re-establish biodiversity, etc. and so forth. Yeah, so, so with respect to... I mean, veganism is actually a very, very sort of a very tightly defined set of behaviors okay so so veganism is a is a prescription around what one should and should not eat okay so so we're not we're not in the game of telling people what to do we're in the game of 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 of, of helping people to feel something that is appropriate to get through to help 
the humans get through the Anthropocene crisis. Uh, it's a it's a subtle distinction. Um, uh, we're, we're we're adamantly not telling people what to do. So there are no yeah, Ten Commandments. No, there's no Ten Commandments, right? But if you if you actually feel if you actually get your head around the idea of Vita, you realise that there are some things which are outside of advancing the Vitan cause, and there are some things that are within advancing the Vitan cause, right? The Vedan cause is to advance the Verdant Age. The Verdant Age is the idea that if we can get through this ecological crisis and come out the other side with sufficient intact biodiversity and ecosystems and enough intelligent and aware people, we could establish a new civilization that lives in balance, within, in, in, in synergy with the living planet, right? So if you... If you if you absolve that as a spiritual philosophy, then you will automatically recognize that investing your hard-earned money into a coal-fired power station is not a pathway to achieving, the, to achieving that end. So we, noble... we don't, we're, not, we're, not in the, we're not in the game of telling people what to do. We're, telling, we're in the game of helping people understand what to feel and how to believe and what the pathway is to the future, that they will make their own decisions. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, that's a noble aim, Guy, and good luck taking that to um, the United Nations. What's the formal name of this COP15 virtual conference it's, this week? Uh, okay, it's the, um, the Convention for Biological Diversity, COP15, and we've been invited into the high-level segment. Well, good luck with uh, explaining Vita to that next week. And if you're not completely uh, exhausted after a week of navigating United Nations bureaucratic tangles, uh, we'll have a chat to see how you fared.